Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And we're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And I'm happy to announce that we are partnering with Blurred.com. Great Blurred content there. There are other podcasters and videos there. They're really trying to become like a, a mecca of Blurred culture. And they reached out to us to work with them. And they were kind enough to put us on Spotify now. So if you do have Spotify, look us up, B-L-E-R-D-U-P. And mm-hmm. all of our episodes from past, present, and future will be there. Yeah. Are there, we'll be there. And actually, I think if you're a writer or if you do a few other things, then they're looking for content creators as well. So Definitely. take a quick look. You could be up there on the internet with us. And I mean, that other lovely voice is Mel. She's hey. returned. Yes, I'm back. Back in the mix like vanilla extract. I don't know where that came from. Sorry. Hi. I've missed you. I've missed you too. You know I missed you. Yeah. Good to be back. You want to tell the good people where you were? Ooh, uh, well, not in too much detail. I was off creating things. I'll talk more about it in the future, maybe as we go on. But just I've been off creating. I write a lot. I do a lot of things. So I was basically just taking some time to work on my projects. So maybe one day something I made will be featured on a podcast. Who knows? We'll see. Or blur.com or mail.com, whatever. Yeah, who knows? You know? Yeah, exactly. I think mail.com is already taken oh, like, by some 50-year-old yeah. fry cook or something. I don't know. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> Word. It's really good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. You guys have been up to a lot while I was gone, though. Yeah. Can't can't stop the train. Yeah, this is true. And there's been a lot to talk about. Yeah. And I want to get into a lot of that because I don't want the studio to kick us out. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get going. Okay. All right. So we got some crazy news. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it, it was yesterday, right? Yes. The Popeye's chicken sandwich. No, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny to me that that's so like that that's so popular. It's a big deal. It's such a big deal because we I don't know if you guys who are listening know this. Many of you do, but we live in Korea, and Popeyes Korea has always had chicken sandwiches, so it's not that big a deal to us. And you know what's weird is that I've had them, and I legit don't remember that they didn't have them mm-hmm. back home. I've been here so right, long. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been here for all my adult life, almost in Asia. So, oh gosh. Yeah. Now that puts it in perspective. Yeah. So actually, I was in the States as part of my hiatus from here. And I left just before they released the chicken sandwich, which was sad because I would have liked to have tried one and see if they're the same here and there. Probably not, though. Didn't they have those po' boy sandwiches, though, like from years ago? Oh, yeah. But I never liked those. I mean, the thing is, if you go to Popeye's, it's all about chicken biscuits and Popeye's in the States. It's all about right. chicken biscuits and sides. I mean, it's right. like, you know, you get your two-piece, you get your biscuits, you get your red beans and rice and whatever right. else. I mean, I never really ordered sandwiches in the States. That's not what you go to Popeye's for. That's true. Or maybe it is now, but yeah. Yeah. That was not what we were supposed to be talking about. I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Brendan? We <laughs> were talking about Marvel and Sony splitting on Spider-Man. Yes. 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 Uh, so the next... Tom Holland movie in the MCU verse will probably be ni- titled Night Monkey is what we're finding out. Right. Uh yeah. I how do you feel about this? Well, just really quick, I want to go back through the history for folks who don't know. There may be folks who just read the headlines and may okay. not know what's going on. Sure. So uh Disney, Marvel Studios and Sony first uh made this deal uh back in 2015. Mhm. As we all know, the Amazing Spider-Man series, it made money, mm-hmm. but I think every movie kept grossing less and less. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think getting worse and worse fan reactions as well. Definitely. So the executives at that time, Michael Linton and Amy Pascal, reached out to Marvel to do this deal. Uh, five movies. And of course, Kevin Feige would, be, would have the, the creative control over the solo films and they would also be allowed to have Spidey in the MCU. Marvel would get like, I think 5% of the first dollar gross, but largely the money would be kept by Sony and Sony was uh, financing their solo films on their own. Right. I'm really surprised that it was actually originally a five film deal. I didn't realize that. 
that explains a lot of the, the back chatter about how many Spider-Man films there were originally meant to be. Mm. That's a long deal. Five films. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. But I guess now you have with Civil War, he was in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess. Civil War. Okay. So it wasn't five solo films. It was just five films with Spider-Man. Five appearances. Okay. So in that case, Civil War. We might already have that. Civil War, Infinity War, Uh and Game Homecoming, and. And yeah, so that's five. five. Okay. So then it's over. Okay. I didn't realize. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Deadline reported this that during the new negotiations, uh, Sony wanted to change the deal. Mm -hmm. They wanted to split the financing. For the, for the future Spider-Man films, 50-50. Mm-hmm. And they also wanted to get more profits from the films than that measly 5%. And apparently, they also want to extend that deal to the other films that would be in the Spider-Man universe, like mm-hmm. Morbius with Jared Leto as the lead and Venom 2. Yeah, I'm not sure why anyone would want to be involved in a Morbius the Living Vampire movie, but here we are, I guess. Yeah. And Venom, I don't know. I just feel like Venom would have been great in the, well, we we said this before, Venom would have been great in the 90s, but I don't get why a Venom 2 would be on the docket either, but it is, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think a lot of these films were in the pipeline mm-hmm. before this deal was reached. Right. And I wonder now if they're cutting spider-man out of the mcu if sony's gonna just bunker down and say you know what let's take let's not have mm-hmm. morbius get his own movie let's just put him in spider-man 3 now right. or try to just put venom into spider-man 3 or 4 or whatever yeah which is what they did with the original series of films and that didn't work out so well yeah well you know i contrary to a lot of opinion i actually like spider-man 3 mm-hmm I, it has problems for sure, right? But I feel I still think it still has the best action of all the films, really, of all of okay. all the of all the original films. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, but, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but but a problem was they put in too many villains: Sandman, right? Harry and Venom. If they would have just had, if we, they just had one, maybe two, or one with a cameo. That yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think Harry and the Sandman, while Peter dealt with the suit problem, mm-hmm. the like, the black suit was fine. Mm-hmm. And if the the black suit came off at the very end of Spider Man Three mm-hmm. and got onto Eddie Brock, mm-hmm. and then he and then Spider Man Four was only about him and Venom, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a really cool like Deathly Hollows Part One and Two kind of. Okay, yeah, that's true. Instead of a trilogy yeah, at the time, it would have true. been just a four part. It would have been great, I think. Unfortunately, that came out before we were doing four-part stuff. So Right, yeah, exactly. 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 Okay, so they tried to cram it all into one. Yeah. You know, the thing about this whole Spider-Man, Sony, Disney, Marvel dust-up is it kind of gives me the shivers as a creator because you can really see very clearly that Spider-Man is a business property. Of course it is. But the businesses that own the property are making decisions with very little regard for the integrity of the story. Mm. Because if you look at the way that uh, Spider-Man Far From Home ended, well, now what are they going to do? Right. Because they've set up this wonderful, well, what could potentially be a wonderful story arc. And now they can't use any of the things that they used to set it up with. Right. Which isn't good. Um, Also, just in general... uh, the fans are it, it I saw a meme earlier and it was a pair of parents fighting in the background and the kids were in the foreground with their heads down and the parents were labeled Sony and Disney mm. and the kids were labeled the fans and Tom Holland. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's just weird. It, as a person who's interested in stories and a person who's interested in creative properties and using them with an eye for the creative integrity. This is an interesting story because you need the money to make it happen. And the money is making the decisions where the money belongs, not where the creation belongs. Sure. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. It is. Uh, I mean, people are already saying like this is over, but I, I don't, I just, I don't know for, for one thing, the, the executives that brokered that deal between Sony and Marvel are gone. Right. So Amy Pascal, she also, you know, gave Chris Lord, was it Phil Lord and Chris Miller mm-hmm. the the free reign to, to do Spider Verse. Right. So she she was, you know, and she also greenlit Spider Gwen and trying, mm-hmm. and she also greenlit that film uh, Silk with the mm-hmm. Korean American uh, right. Spider Woman. Yeah. yeah. 
but she's gone now. Right. So that guiding hand is gone. Kevin Feige's out. Yeah. Do you think that this is, it seems like there's been a lot of changes in executives. Uh, do you think this is just a matter of cleaning house, trying to set up something new? I really don't know. Yeah. Um, at the very least, in regards to Spider-Man, Tom Holland's still there. And and the director, was it John John Watts, I believe, uh, yeah, is still I don't there. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the writing team. Hopefully. But they've got a heck of a job ahead of them, though. And uh, to be honest, if I was Tom Holland, I'd be calling my lawyer like, OK, get me out <laughs> because, yeah, get me out. This isn't going to work. It really does make me wonder. I'm already skeptical about the future of the Marvel Cineverse. And this makes me even more so. Well, I'm, I'm not. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on that got announced with Comic-Con, mm -hmm. but we haven't even encountered mm -hmm. X-Men and Fantastic Four yet. Right. And so if Kevin Feige is so, he's going to be so busy working mm -hmm. that out. Right. I mean, if someone asked me, would you rather have Spider-Man films mm -hmm. or like actually finally mm -hmm. great, consistent mm -hmm. X-Men films? Mm -hmm. There's no question what I would choose. Right. But I guess my, my concern, though, is, again, because this is such a pure business decision. I'm not worried about having Spider-Man or not having Spider-Man. I'm just worried about the precedent that this sets as far as how involved the fans are in the decision making as far as... Because if, if this had never been announced and it was just a change, I don't know that people would be freaking out as much. Um, but... As fans, we're all following the news about the Marvel movies now and all mm. of the superhero movies in general. We're all following the news. We're all way too involved in all of this. And it's definitely coloring our perceptions of upcoming films. And I, my big worry about the, what is it, phase four now of Marvel films is that they're going to kind of turn into B-movies that people go and see out of a sense of uh, obligation uh, to the genre, like what happened with Westerns. Mm. So... I'm worried that this is going to be a thing that happens. I don't know. Well, I think with Phase 4 and even the TV shows, I think there's enough new ideas mm -hmm. and themes that I think it'll be all right. All right. So overall, your, your final thoughts on Spider-Man? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I was already kind of thinking that because of how much news is being released in terms of the movies without any actual bits of story or creative content being released to go with it, I was already worried and this isn't helping. So we'll see. I'm on the fence. I hope that the future Spider-Man films are good, but I don't know if they will be. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned just corporate control instead of creative control mm -hmm. i mean look what happened to sam raimi in spider-man 3 right Right, exactly he had a great vision yeah and then they got railroaded exactly. because they wouldn't venom and that happens a lot i mean that happened to an, a couple of the x-men movies that's why they right. look the way they look right so yeah i don't know i just wonder if the genre has kind of outlived its golden period where there was a lot of creative control because it was creative control that got us to endgame and now that they know it's going to make goo gobs of money no matter what, what's going to happen? Right. And so. we see, we already see what a Sony, what a post MCU Sony film is in Venom. You know, yeah. even though it made a lot of money. Yeah, it was. It was just okay. It was a B movie. I mean, it yeah. was you know a Saturday afternoon. It just comes on TV to watch movie basically. And never watch again. Yeah, exactly. So basically, what we're saying true believers and loyal listeners is that Marvel is out of Popeye's chicken sandwiches. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, let's move on to Cannon Busters. Okay. We're going to go right into that. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. There's been a lot of buzz about this because this is the first anime that has a mainly black cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening and ending credit songs are definitively black. Yeah. The creator is black too, isn't he? Yes. Mm -hmm. For so long, black people have been anime fans, but black characters have exclusively been side characters, if there are any characters in that series at all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just have to project blackness onto them, like uh, right. Piccolo. Piccolo, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes those characters have offensive designs or ways of talking, like Mr. Popo. Right. But Cannon Busters, luckily, has none of those problems. 
True. For those who don't know, as you said, uh, this was created by LaShawn Thomas, a black man. Uh, he created this manga in 2005. Mm-hmm. And he actually has a nice resume after that. Have you looked into him at all? Or? A little bit. I know he was involved in the boondocks, but that's really the only thing I know for sure. Yeah, we got a lot. Mm-hmm. As you said, he was supervising character designer and co-director of the first two Boondocks seasons. Mm-hmm. He was a storyboard artist for Kim Possible, Batman Brave and the Bold, one of my favorite Batman series, Ben 10, and Green Lantern First Flight. He was also supervising character designer for that Public Enemy DCAU film. Did, did oh, you ever yeah, watch yeah. That? I didn't watch it, but I heard about it, yeah. It, it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, not... The best, but the not the worst either. Okay. For sure, it was fine. I mean, there's like a hundred of those movies now. So yeah, um, he was later hired. I got all, I got got all this off of Wikipedia, but mm-hmm. he was later hired as in-house storyboard animation production artist at Studio Mir for work on The Legend of Korra. Wow, yeah, he's really done a lot. Okay, yes. he's done a lot of good stuff consistently. Soon after that, uh, Moy Animation hired him as a producer and director on several independent projects and that made him the first american animator to be hired to work in-house as permanent independent production staff for animation studios in south korea okay interesting yeah so he's kind of legendary here and uh he's he's been featured in a web series uh web documentary that he produced and directed called soul sessions mm-hmm and so it's an online TV network that features coverage of talents in music, fashion, and the arts. And he actually spoke at a TEDx in Incheon. Oh, okay. He spoke about his journey and the importance of successful failures. And in 2011, he was the creative producer and supervising director for season one of Black Dynamite on Adult Swim. Gosh. And he was just the supervising director for season two. Okay. Yeah, dude's been he's dude's been he's, busy. Done, he's really good. Okay. Yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised. He never finished Cannon Busters. He wanted to, but it got put on hold. And he got crowdfunding to make the pilot for the animation about mm-hmm. five years ago. He raised over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Uh Netflix acquired the show two years ago and here we are. Um this was produced by Sate Light, which is a Japanese studio. So even though we have seen Boondocks and other shows that do have black people in them, mm-hmm. they weren't animated in Japan proper. So this is kind of the first of right. its kind in that way. Yeah, Boondocks was animated here, though, in, in Korea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. but still, that's not Japan. I understand what you're saying. Sure. Mm-hmm. So with all that in mind, you'd be pretty excited for his original work to finally be yeah. realized in animated form. Right. Okay. So let's get into our thoughts. Let's do it. On the show. Okay. First, you can definitely feel the influences. Cowboy Bebop, the wisecracking guy with cool wild hair mm-hmm. who can who can usually take care of himself, and Trigun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Wild West environment, two female characters who bump into him and follow the wanted outlaw and becoming friends. Right. Yeah, okay. I, I have not seen very much of Trigun. I thought, uh, what is it, Full Metal Alchemist, actually. In what way? Okay. Uh, the same kind of like the sort of pseudo Wild West kind of, but not really Wild West, just with a lot of weirdness attached to it. It has, you know, that steampunk, yeah, the, magic yeah, fantasy yeah, aspect. Kind of, yeah. Sure, mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I see that. But yeah, it's it's more than just those two shows or three shows, as you said, mm-hmm. with, with black people. There's yeah. there's magic, there's mechs, mm-hmm. there's fighting, there's, there's some body horror. There's a lot of body horror, actually. Uh, yeah. There's weird animal people. Yeah. it It really feels like and everything but the kitchen sink kind of universe. And I'm going to get out the way. That's kind of a problem for me so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So what was it you were saying about his TED Talk, uh, Successful Failures? Ooh, oh, no. Yeah. Ooh, I, oh. Look, okay. I, I like anime, but I'm very choosy about which ones I watch. Uh, I don't love the genre for its own sake, necessarily. I like stories, so I tend to watch the ones that have stories I really like. And this story was, oh, I'm sorry, this story was boring. 
It was really boring. And I don't get bored easily. I think everything's interesting. And this story was really a struggle to get through the whole series. When you texted me and said that there were 12 episodes, not 10, I thought I was almost done. I had nine out of the way and I had one more. When I found out I had three more, not one, I was like, oh, no, why? I have things to do. Like, it was so hard to focus and pay attention. I constantly wanted to do other stuff. It was so boring. And it was weird that it was boring because like you said, this is like everything but the kitchen sink. There's no reason it should be. There's so many things and so many interesting details to look at, but the story was just not there. Yeah, I actually, I was really watching it, but mm-hmm. after maybe episode five and I realized that, wow, this is really mm-hmm. not doing too much. I, I was literally playing Splatoon, yeah, playing video games while I was watching this show. Right. Really, really the show just, it tries to cram in too many ideas, seeds for later. This first season is 12 episodes, but it, it felt like it crammed in the amount of content that you would see across a full 26-episode show or more. Yeah, I could see that. We were talking about Spider-Man, bringing it back to that. It it feels like Spider-Man 2, when Sony tried to plant seeds of the Sinister Six and all these other things and whatnot, that didn't serve the immediate story mm-hmm. whatsoever. And it, it just took away time and space for more important, urgent matters. This show kind of really put the, the cart before the horse. It really did. It was kind of cocky. It was very much like we know we're going to be able to tell you the rest of this story later. And I I just wanted one story to be told now. Yeah. <laughs> it was really difficult. I, but, I mean, there's other anime that are like this where there's just way too much stuff on the table. I kind of refer to them as toy box anime. They remind me of, you know how, I don't know how many brothers and sisters you have. I have a bunch. There's six of us, right? Yeah, a lot. And, you know, when you're a kid and you kind of mix all your toys together, everybody's toys are in the same toy box. And yeah. you just want end up playing these really weird games because you have all these different toys that don't connect to each other at all so you've got like barbie marrying a gi joe on the back of a my little pony but mr potato head is the minister and you know it's like it's like it's that kind of weird game that you play when you're a kid but it's that but an anime (laughs) it's really really strange (laughs) oh totally yeah let's just go through different aspects of the show i broke it down uh art direction characters Mm -hmm. action music Mm mm-hmm so let's go through first. The art direction. It was a mixed bag for me. It was. I, I really, it, I twigged when you said that he did um, Black Dynamite because then, oh, okay, I get it now because it's very, it's got a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was there was little about the environments that pulled me into this show. Um, because they cruised through desert and mountains mostly, it, mm-hmm. it felt a little bland to me. Yeah. Uh, even in Trigun, the human characters interacted and reacted to where they were more mm-hmm. and it factored into some of the world building and the individual stories themselves, why there was certain technology needed. Um, there was just also a clear understanding of where they were and what they were up against. Towns were struggling to produce food and water and like you saw why. It's even f- through 12 episodes, it's still a little difficult to get a general understanding of this universe. Right, yeah. Um. Even in like One Piece, I don't know if you've ever watched that show, um, where, you know, they could travel anywhere and encounter any environment and it made sense in that universe. Mm -hmm. They were sailing too, not driving. Um, So, and on the notion of driving, because they have this this car Mm -hmm. in the show, it's hard to get a sense of time sometimes. It is, yeah. Like how long is it taking to get here and... How, how many days have passed? Like, I, I I'm, I'm, don't quite understand. Right, but it's because the background landscape really doesn't change very much unless yeah. they're in, like, a special environment with special people. Unless it's, you know, there's a couple of very special episodes where they take, like, an interlude and they're visiting somebody underground or somewhere right. else. Um, but other than that, you don't, the landscape never changes. Yeah. Like, how you don't get a sense of where they live, like you said. The, the, the art direction doesn't lend itself to the world building at all. Yeah. I mean, Trigun, it was a desert the whole time. There was mm-hmm. never any, like, Arctic or um, mm-hmm. rainforest. But right. I don't know. It, it's, it really felt different to me. Mm. But like you said, that was because people interacted with the environment. And the fact that they were in a desert had some bearing on the story. Like you said, people didn't have enough water or food, things like that. But also, too, Trigun didn't really have an overall goal until near the end when he was trying to battle knives and the, the first mm-hmm. the first half of the show is just him wandering from town to town and just getting into kooky adventures mm-hmm. and the show has that but there's already a clear goal from the kind of beginning so there's really it it's different that way is there though well, this is my thor face is there we'll get there we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll we'll get there 
right, let's uh, let's move on to the characters. Okay. So of course this this uh, the lead character is Philly the kid, mm-hmm. a outlaw who is it in the trailer. What what, what he can do? Should we should we? I spoil actually that? haven't seen the trailer. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Okay. Why not? <laughs> okay. Well, we already told you all that we're not really loving this show. Yeah, so exactly. if you do want to see it, go mm-hmm. see it. If you don't want to see it, mm-hmm. whatever. We're gonna spoil this right now. Yeah. Here we go. So Philly's an immortal. I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and we both have that reaction of I guess. There's a lot of things of, of that we just don't know about this show mm-hmm. that they really should have taken the time out to explain to us before. Right. Or at least make it seem like they had something <laughs> They were way too casual about his immortalness. Everybody was like, oh, no, it's the immortal. Here he comes. He's going to be back to life again. But then people were really quick to like kill him and act like he was dead he for was real. He was really dead, yeah. It's really strange. It's like everybody knew, but nobody knew he was an immortal. Right. I want to start off with his, his design, though. Mm-hmm. I thought overall the design was cool. Yeah. The character designs overall, were I thought, were really nice. It was cool to see. Okay. So... You said the whole thing about like there's not a lot of black people in anime in general. And I noticed that when there are, they are generally men. It was cool to see black women rendered in anime. That was interesting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Absolutely. It was really cool to see. As, I know you liked uh, the black scientists from Alita Battle Angel. They were black scientists mm-hmm. who constructed uh, Casey. That was really cool. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, the, the numbers forming on his body was cool. Yeah. Um, As far as, oh, he's voiced by Kenny Blank. Yes. He's been in a lot of things. Yeah, he's been around. I, I don't really want to go down everyone's right, like yeah. IMDb mm-hmm. on, on, in this section, so yeah. check him out. Mm-hmm. My problem with Philly is he isn't a good guy. He's and, not even really a bad guy until the very end. You're not really, he's just sort of there. Yes. For a main character, he's kind of amorphous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not important that he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of anime fans like villains or anti heroes. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves, you know, Itachi and, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, they People like these even characters. love what's his name, Devilman Crybaby. I mean, I love that anime. So yeah, yeah. but so he could be a bad guy and still yeah. be the main character. But he just doesn't have the personality, nor is he even skilled enough for me to get really emotionally yeah. invested in him. Yeah, he's just sort of snarky, and uh, he's just honestly, he's just kind of a dick. Yeah, and that's his whole. That's like his defining character trait. Yeah, he's mean to everybody. Yeah, and he dies. Like I mean, Sasuke was a dick, but mm-hmm. at least he was a badass and. Mm-hmm. And he had a good foil, too. Yeah. And you understood why he was right. messed up. And he had a character arc. Yes. So he didn't stay the same the whole time. Right. What they do instead of giving Philly the kid a character arc is they introduce backstory, which doesn't kind really of. work. Yeah, because exactly. Because the backstory is not any clearer. It doesn't make anything about his present character any clearer. It's no. just this thing happened. That's how you wind up, wound up immortal. And when that happened, I thought to myself, well... And so he's how long has he been wandering around being immortal? And it happened because of mm-hmm. something. Yeah, exactly. And Nothing so now, is very clear. So now I want to murder mm-hmm. the prince who mm-hmm. probably wasn't even alive when exactly this happened to yeah, me. And we didn't even realize that that's who you were talking, talking about, about this whole time right. until the very last episode or the episode before last, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. if the rules are you're only mortal until you get your revenge. Mm-hmm. Is he looking forward, like him killing the prince? Will yeah. that was that will that mm-hmm. satisfy his thirst right. for revenge? Like, right. is he trying to die? What's going on? Exactly, it's a strange thing. I think the thing is, you don't have to be overly detailed as far as story. I'm not as literal about stories as you are often, um, but I think that if you're going to leave details vague, you at least have to give them some emotional payoff. Yes. So if you're not going to explain why Philly the kid is immortal or any of the accompanying things that go with that, he needs to have some sort of strong response to it. But he doesn't really seem to care about anything. And that is kind of a fatal flaw as far as character design goes. Yeah. I mean, if you look at at the big influences here, Mm -hmm. obviously we talked about Cowboy Bebop and Trigun. I would even add in a little bit Samurai Champloo in there too. Okay. Even though, especially with Samurai Champloo, it wasn't like they were searching for the samurai who, who smelled like flowers or sunflowers. Mm-hmm. They didn't really get to that aspect until what? The second to last mm-hmm. episode. But mm-hmm. up until then, there were so many character moments f- for them for you to really mm-hmm. attach yourself to. Yeah. They were involved in their world. They were interested in their world. I feel like it comes across somebody who might be kind of medicated, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like he just doesn't have any, or maybe needs to be medicated. Who knows? He just—he's got a completely flat affect aside from his snark. Yeah, Bessie is not an interesting design for the the mech. 
Uh, actually, Bessie's the car, yeah? Yes, car. Okay, because he, I don't remember. I was totally not into this. Um, yeah, so so I actually kind of liked Bessie because she had the cool, like, video game start. I liked that part. But other than that, it was, it was I mean, it, it was, a lot of things were really cool looking in this. Yeah. But they just didn't have any kind of, but again, nobody had any sort of, the characters had no connection to the world and the world had no connection to the characters. They yeah. were just sort of there on display. Why are these quarters... Um, its power source like how does that work mm-hmm. it's a it's a large in in a in a world of steampunk and mm-hmm. magic mm-hmm. why is this powered by quarters mm-hmm. is this america i mean quarters yeah. is a american thing of course of course but you're in a fantasy world that has w- names right. that don't apply to right true but again you don't need in my opinion you don't need to necessarily explain things like that as long as you create a connecting emotional payoff or an or a thread yeah so the fact that only his car worked that way to be honest maybe it's not that only his car works that way i don't think we saw any other cars well we saw the mechs yeah we saw the mechs but yeah. mm-hmm. even when they used those mechs like at the very mm-hmm. end that yeah. fight with uh Oh, the lady right. assassin. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like mm-hmm. she was like, find me quarters now. It was yeah, exactly. just like she mm-hmm. just yeah. turned, pressed the button. Yeah, and here I am. Exa- yeah, exactly. So, so like, w- yeah, w- why so you've got to either create a consistency so that the whole world seems to have this quirk, right? Or you've got to connect and create an emotional connection to this quirk. Like, if he really loved Bessie, nobody would care that it didn't make sense how she works. Nobody cared that Knight Rider made no sense because there was love between the guy and his car. Sure. <laughs> um, or you've got to explain it. And he didn't do any of those things. Or the writers didn't do any of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it old technology that he has kept mm-hmm. because he just likes it? Yeah. I mean, nothing. Mm-hmm. But it was cool that it was a hoopty. I mean, it's very black, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, totally. That's black. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, the black culture references were also quite interesting. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Sam. <laughs> oh. I like Sam's design, at the very least. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I think her French tick got a little old mm-hmm. by the end yeah sam to me illustrated one of the biggest problems with the way that this whole anime was built it seems really adult and really childish at the same time mm. and that was strange to me so there's like lots of swearing and sex and violence and gore but then the main the only character with a really clear arc and motivation is a cute robot who's who just wants to be everybody's friend what yeah. As was a match. <laughs> so there was it, I maybe I don't watch enough of this type of anime to 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 know to understand this trope, but it didn't I tend to watch stuff that's a lot darker or a lot more stylized. So or more focused. Yeah, well, yeah, or maybe just more focused, yeah. But because of that, I didn't it just seemed real dissonant to me. I agree. And Sam was the focal point of that dissonance. Every time she did something, I was like, you belong in a different show. I think the only time where it was fun mm-hmm. was when she got propositioned by that by that John. Yeah, that was funny. That, okay, was, yeah, that, that was, was that pretty was funny, funny to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But everything else was just kind of, yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you deserve a, a, a different a different anime. Yeah. You're a cool character, but right. you don't you don't belong here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this, uh, this kind of fully coolie, you've seen that show, yeah? Fully Cooly. I haven't seen that one, no. Um, for the folks at home, she has a kind of a Fully Cooly aspect to her character that she can kind of become anything oh, she wants. Yeah. The well, any kind of weapon, I guess. Any weapon, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of similar to Conti from Fully Cooly. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite uh, designs was mm-hmm. that robot. That was also never explained. Yes. Because everybody acted like she was the only robot of her kind who could do that. That was weird. Until the end. Until the end, and then even then, it didn't make sense. Yeah, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a robot with a soul? Okay. Yeah. How, yeah. Whose soul? Yeah, like, exactly. Who's at work? All the robots like... we've encountered to this point don't have souls? Yeah. What? Yeah. They needed to establish the world building a lot more strongly than they did. Absolutely. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. They did. No, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Prince Kelby. He reminded me of the king in, uh, what's it, uh, the one that, uh, what is it called? The dragon, uh, the dragon prince. Have you seen that? No. It's by the same people who did Avatar. Okay. It's on it's on Netflix. It's quite good. I like it a lot. But he looks like what I imagined the cuz the king on the Dragon Prince. Am I saying that? Is that the right name? I hope so. The king on the Dragon Prince. If it's not, I'm sure you will tell me in the comments, guys. Uh the king on the Dragon Prince is like this badass black man with a beard and dreadlocks. And the prince in in this looks like what I imagined that king would look like as a kid. He also reminds me of uh, what's that guy's that, that character's name? He kind of 
a little bit remind me of Soka from Avatar. Yeah. The mm-hmm. uh, the Pacific Islander character on the from from the Water uh, Tribe. I think he's meant. To, well, it doesn't Katara's matter. Katara's. Yeah. Sister, I don't know who you mean. Uh, brother, I don't. Katara's yeah. Brother. yeah okay. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. For the for the people. Back. Okay. And actually, I want to get to, uh, to Casey, the other, the tiny robot. She mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of Toph from Avatar. And not oh, necessarily okay. in her personality, but in her, the way that she looked like a, like yeah, her like, design, like, like a yeah. miniature mm-hmm. robotic Toph mm-hmm. looking character. Yeah. 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 Okay. The design, I could see that definitely. Uh, yeah. Sure. But none of them were as strong. One of the things I loved about Avatar is that the characterization was on point. Absolutely. Like you really, by the time you get to the end of Avatar, you feel like you know those people. Mm. You don't really feel like you know any of these people, robots, whatever they are. Yeah. They're just sort of spectacles. I don't know. I feel it's interesting that you gave me that guy's resume because after he's done all of these things that are known for having really strong characters and really strong arcs, how, what happened here? Was he one of the writers as well, or was he just the... Because you said he wrote the manga. Have yeah, you read this, the manga? Yeah, this is his. No, yeah. I haven't read it. Okay, I haven't read it either. I'm curious to know if the manga is different. Not curious enough to read it necessarily, but, you know, I'm curious. We never finished yeah. it, so I don't even know if... Oh, that's right, yeah. I wonder if it's like a GT, uh, GOT thing where he just kind of just kind of write it as he goes along now. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Um, let's get to nine. The The old drunk badass... He was actually the only character I really liked. I want, every time he came on, the show took on this whole extra aspect. Yeah, yeah. I liked him mm-hmm. a lot. But we still don't know anything about him. Yeah, but... And yeah. When, he, when he showed up at the end, I was mm-hmm. like, why is he here? What, <laughs> right. what just... I mean, I was, yeah. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yes. like, why are you here? Yeah, totally. But the thing about Nine, so Nine is enough of a trope. He's a standard enough character, the drunk old man, that sure. even if we don't know anything about him, we're familiar enough with that kind of character. And he's clearly not a sub- meant to be a subversion of that kind of character that we kind of we can roll with him. We can accept him. Yeah. Everybody else was like six, six characters in search of an anime, you know, mm. like trying to figure out what trope they belong to. Or at least, I don't know. Well, either way, nine, I was OK with him being vague and not knowing anything, anything about him because he was really well presented. He was also really well voiced. Yes. Mm-hmm. And his action was cool. Yeah. Like, I would like to see more of him, and just on the action there, his action was great. Um, Odin was cool. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say Odin and the old man were my favorite characters. Definitely, Odin was was interesting. Definitely, I liked uh, the villain with like the red bang. She was interesting, but she yeah, didn't have enough to do. Enough to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Totally agree. Did you recognize Lady Day? That that boss who was trying to kill Philly. Recognize no. her, her voice. No. That was uh, Deborah Wilson from Mad TV. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. She's been. She's been. She's she's been doing things lately. I mean, she was in um, Wolfenstein too. Oh yeah, she was cool. In that, she was in that okay. game too. Yeah, her and Phil Lamar. Yeah. From Mad TV to voice acting. Yeah. How do you feel about the the action of the show? Uh, honestly, it was just kind of there for me because I was so not. There were not enough stakes because I wasn't into the rest of the show. Yeah. The only time I really stopped and paid attention to the action and was like, oh, that was kind of cool, was the last two episodes. Yeah. But that was because <laughs> something was finally happening. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it was, again, not enough establishment of world building, not enough establishment of, of abilities. We don't know if... So if Philly the Kid is immortal and can never really die when people are killing him, it doesn't matter. Right. When he's fighting people, it doesn't matter. He doesn't even seem to have a response to pain. Right. So his like arm got cut he, off. It's like, yeah, well, I'm dead. Yeah, exactly. So whatever. Nobody cares. So the action with him was so low stakes that it didn't matter. You knew the other guy was going to die in a gruesome way and he was just going to kind of be there. Yeah. Just so, if, yeah. if he had numbers, I wish there would have been like, you're immortal to a certain point. Like, yeah, exactly. when, once you get to like 30, you're out. Like, exactly. That also, yeah, go ahead. considering how many times he died during the course of just this series, he should have way more numbers. So at one point I paused to look and it goes up to like thirteen, but he's probably he's died like fifteen times. No, at that point. no, yeah. no, mm-hmm. no, no. He no. I think mm-hmm. I think it started off he was at like mm-hmm. twenty two. I think it ended at like thirty two or thirty three. I mean it was mm-hmm. it was it was in, in the thirties for okay. sure. Yeah, definitely. It definitely counted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um the action was pretty unremarkable to me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene where Odin is fighting that crazy fast Kagebuchin character at the very end of the show and he grabs the sword by the sword? 
and hits him like like he's hitting a baseball. Yeah, and like, instead of yeah. just cutting him open with yeah, I saw that. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, that was really mm-hmm. weird to me because because he's, he's not a magical character. He's not immortal. Right. He doesn't have hands made of Teflon. He, right. He yeah. should have cut it cut his fingers mm-hmm. off. Right. That was really which weird is weird because the rest of that scene, the I do remember that scene, but I liked how because one of the things I like about anime is how. Mm, how carefully articulated body motion is in yeah. a lot of the animation. And that that was really cool to me in that scene. But then they kind of did... And again, I'm not super literal into stories. I mean, I, I don't mind really unrealistic things. It's just that that didn't make sense. And there's also, you know, there's also the trope of here's the villain and here's the henchman and you'll see how they... how cool they are, what their powers are as time goes on you mm-hmm. know naruto the akatsuki you know you mm-hmm. see these these characters all in, in their cloaks they look different Ooh, what's what's his power what's her power what, what can he mm-hmm. do what can she do and it's revealed over time in this mm-hmm. show like that that guy who made clones of himself it just happened like yeah that was weird you didn't yeah. even see him make them it was, was just, just there as soon mm-hmm. as soon as the scene uh, the scene started he was already doing it and then he gets beat that easily and it's like well i mean that was a thing. Yeah, again, low stakes. Because we Odin is sort of built up to be this badass over the course of time, but if he beats the guy that easily, well then clearly these were bad villains. We haven't seen them do anything up to right. that point. If we'd seen them subjugate a town or threaten somebody in a way that was, you know, what all we see them do is die. That's usually how they're introduced, you know. Mm-hmm. Even that blonde character that mm-hmm. man the mech, I mean like I don't know what this person's abilities are except for a pilot kind of sort oh, the of one I mean, with the one with the laser eye oh no the big the big guy yeah okay. yeah and mm-hmm. then and, and there was harley quinn who has a laser eye. i mean that mm-hmm. was she introduced that power so mm-hmm. that was fine mm-hmm. and she is actually very obviously very strong she mm-hmm. she she punched the old man and, and like mm-hmm. shook the ground and brought it up yeah behind him so right. that's something yeah 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 over. she probably had the most characterization out of any of the villains right. really but that's not saying much not at all yeah i don't know it's just it wasn't it wasn't a tight story. Did I you mean, laugh yeah. at the show? Sometimes. Like, I mean, some of Philly the Kid snarks were kind of funny, you know. He was just so irascible that that was amusing. But, you know, it was kind of one-off little, like, some smiles. And then there were some very definitively blackety-black moments, and I, those were funny as well. Like but mm, Just some of the, uh, there was a bit where, I'm trying to think. Oh, no, when they go into the town where there's the, the two, the, the, the two guys named, what, Billy Bob and Billy something else. The mm. two Billies. And what they're like fighting with them and the guy's like, yeah, you just, you hit, you, what does he say? You shot me in my, something gross, like you shot me in my butt scratching hand or something. Yeah. And he's, and Billy, the, Philly, the kid's response is, okay, that's nasty. But <laughs> you know, there were just little kind of things that were very much kind of black culture moments, but. He was definitely black. Mm-hmm. He was distinct enough from other white voice actors, but it's not enough to be that special to me. Mm. I don't know. Well, I know. I, yeah, I know what you mean. It it was kind of, oh, and coming from me, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it was kind of black light. <laughs> uh, it, it was definitely created by black people. And when we get to the music, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. It was definitely created by black people with black culture in mind, um, by black people who watched a lot of anime. And mm. there's a lot of us who do. There's this weird kind of creepy connection. The way black people feel about anime is often the same way that Asian people feel about hip hop. Um, it's really kind okay. of strange, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and but it didn't really gel together as like a definitively black cultural thing. No. Not at all. This, mm-hmm. this is not a Black Panther. Which is interesting because that's how it's being built. That's how it's being promoted. Yes. When mm-hmm. I when I caught the headlines, because mm-hmm. I didn't know this was coming out, mm-hmm. um, but when I saw the headlines on, you know, Gizmodo or The Verge or whatever, I'm like, wow, this is like the Black Panther of of anime. That's mm-hmm. how I, I went into this. And I was just, wow, this is just... Um... Yes, it's sort of a jumbly mess. Uh... Um, I want to go back to the comedy. I think we are talking about how Sam was propositioned by the by the John and mm-hmm. then she turned out to make them laugh. That was really cool to me. Mm-hmm. And I also liked when at the very end Casey and Bessie tried to catch Philly and ended up accidentally killing him in, oh, her, in yeah. her grip. Uh-huh. I actually laughed out loud at that. Yeah, that, that was part. funny. That was pretty mm-hmm. funny. Music. Yes. How do you feel about the opening song? Uh it was cute. Fire. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the music overall was cute. And the opening song was definitely cute. It was very much like, okay, this is, uh, yeah. I didn't love the rapping. 
Oh uh, yeah. But once it got to like the kind of Rihanna like singer in, mm-hmm. in the gospel choir, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. The ending was was okay too. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was cute. They were just it was cute. cute. They were cute. You know, like kind of R and B light songs. They were nice. I mean, I preferred them to that sort of weird rock esque kind of thing that most animes have. So I, yeah. I really can't remember anything in the show itself though. Me neither. There was music, but I don't remember. I really a lot don't remember it. anything. It just kind of all blurred together. Do you know though? I was thinking about blurred. this. This isn't necessarily. Yes, it was. Uh, this is. Um, I one thing I did find myself thinking about repeatedly during while I was watching this show was Neo Yokio. Did you ever watch that? Oh, the thing with Jaden Smith. Yeah, the Jaden Smith fronted. And I don't know if it was an actual anime or just a, like an anime esque kind of thing, like yeah. Avatar was. But Neo Yokio. Uh, I have to be honest. I remember Neo Yokio. The voice acting was terrible, but the story and the character building were a lot, and the world building were a lot more together. Mm. And I keep seeing these memes flowing around saying, yeah, we had to go through Neo Yokio so we could have cannon busters. And I, they're kind of on the same level for me. Yeah. I, if anything, Neo Yokio is a little bit better. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Because I actually remember the story from it. And I, the thing about Neo Yokio is it was bad, but it was definitively bad. Like it wasn't good, but they they made bold choices, and I don't think that those are present in Cannon Busters. Sometimes those are better than just a lukewarm show. Exactly. This this show is kind of just lukewarm for exactly, me. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to get to our closing because we got to move on to other, other things. Right. Right. Have you heard the new YBN Corday album? Nope. Okay. Well, for those at home who have, this show reminds me of that. You can see the talent and probably the passion, but there's little about it that feels distinct enough to elevate it to the pantheon of what it's trying to emulate. Right. Um, personally, there was little exciting about this show that hooked me and made me want to check for more. You know, we talked about Trigun. Trigun was a show that started off a little goofy but it got a hell of a lot darker and more interesting after the first half. So I'm hoping that this can be saved. Mm. I want this to win. I really do. But my, 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 I have very low expectations at this point. Right. I mean, a second season could turn it around, but I don't know if it'll get one at this point. Although the critical bus actually seems to be pretty positive. Yeah. It seems it doesn't, it's not painting it. I've yeah. I've read reviews. It's not panning it, mm-hmm. but it's not. And I'm not getting a lot of hyper praise either. True. Okay. Yeah. I I was just bored. I'm I'm picky about the things I like to watch. And binging this was was so boring. It was almost painful. So yeah, like you said, it was a lukewarm show. I I would give it. I mean, if you want to watch it, give it a couple of episodes. And if you're not feeling it. Watch something else. Watch Neo Yokio. <laughs> or watch, or just rewatch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, or watch The Dragon Prince, because that is really good. And it's really effortly diverse. I love I'll check it. it out. Mm-hmm. What I'm most excited about coming from uh, LaShawn Thomas, did you know that he's creating, directing, and producing Yasuke? It's an, the animated series about the historical black samurai. Okay, now that I'm excited about. Yeah. You know, he might just not be a good storyteller, because he seems like he's a very good... Uh, animator animator so i don't know because the story didn't do it for me but if but he's got such a good track record maybe that i I would be interested in that yeah so for those who don't know um yasuke is a historical black samurai who served uh oda nobunaga in feudal japan in Mm -hmm. the the 1500s it stars lakeith stanfield as the as the character really that's that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield as him in the in the animation, yeah. And then you know Chadwick Boseman's going to play him in the movie. Oh right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who don't know Lakeith Stanfield, I mean you you should know him if, if you're black. Obviously, get out. sorry, sorry to bother you. Get I just out. watched that. Uh, I'm this, sorry. Okay. <laughs> get the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, from get out, Atlanta. And another cool aspect: mm-hmm. Flying Lotus will be producing the music. Ooh. And he's also like co-executive producing the show. So I'm pretty Ooh, excited about that. Okay, that'd be interesting. All right, so Hmm. moving on, we're going to talk about Black Lady Sketch Show. A Black Lady Sketch Show. I'm sorry, A Black Lady Sketch Show. Mm -hmm. So this was developed by Robin... Robin Theed. Robin Theed. So I've read some 
poor reviews from friends on social media about this one. And I have to say, they're largely right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to love it. I, I did. love comedy. I, and I'm still mad at Chris Rock for that thing he said where he was like, well, black women aren't ready for the big leagues of comedy. Ooh. Yeah, which was awful. He said that back when uh, Leslie Jones first got on SNL, which I thought was just unexcusable. Oh, that's Boo, whack. Chris Rock. So I was really excited about this. I wanted to love it. Uh, I still want to love it. And it's got uh, most of the rest of the season coming. So things might change. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. This show isn't hidden for me. But it's so close. And that's what's frustrating. It's yes. so close. The ideas are fire. It's yes. really funny. Uh, the, the ideas are really funny. When you look at the actual ideas behind the sketches, just the ideas themselves will make me laugh. Yes. But. And. Out of the main cast of four characters, the only one that I think is consistently funny, who even makes me crack a smile, is Quinta Brunson from the, BuzzFeed. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the shorter Yeah, well, she's character. not at BuzzFeed anymore. That's right. where people first got to know her. Right, right. But the problem is that they're really trying to push Robin Thede. I hope it's Thede. It might be Thede. Uh, Robin Thede. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, they're really trying to push her as the star of the show, and she's not funny. She's just a ham. Uh, and I mean, maybe it's just a matter of a difference in sense of humor, but oh, she's always at the forefront of the sketch and her timing is not like hit. all of their timing for me is a bit off. The direction's a bit off. It's these great ideas, these great cameos, but I'll smile after the sketch ha- ends because I'm like, oh, I get it, but yes, I'm not actually, yeah. Yes, that's it. Exactly. But I'm not actually laughing during the sketch themselves. Let's go through the, mm-hmm. the, the special guests. I sure. may have missed some. I don't, there was some that sure, I was sure. like, I know you're famous, but I don't know who you are. Okay. So obviously the biggest one was Angela Bassett. Of course. And the, the what is it? What was it? The Bad Bitch Support Group. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I chuckled at a couple of things in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laverne Cox. Yeah. Kelly Rowland. Mm-hmm. Larry Wilmore. Yeah. Amara La Negra was in the Bad Bitch sketch Yes, too. yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. You're right. Uh, Tia Mari from Sister, yeah, yeah. Sister, mm-hmm. Sister. Mm-hmm. And what's her name? Lena, Lena Wave. Lena Wave? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, she's amazing. I love her. Yeah. But yeah, her episode, the episode she wrote of... Um, What's Aziz Ansari's show? Master of None. That episode is brilliant. I'm always telling people to watch it because it explains some really critical things about black culture mm. in a way I've never seen a show do before. Right. Anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, you're good. You're good. I when I when I saw how unfunny this was, I I wanted to. I I hoped that maybe they were just acting and maybe they had different writers that were behind them. But mm-hmm. checking the credits, they largely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were other writers, mm-hmm. but. It felt like every sketch had mm-hmm. like seven writers attached. Right. Yeah. Issa Rae is one them. of the, yeah. Issa Rae is one of the writers as well. Or she's your producer. Yeah. She's she's producer. Okay. I didn't see her name in the credits. Okay. Yeah. It's just it's got all the right ingredients. Yeah. It's just uh, the temperature is maybe not right in the oven. But there's I mean there's there are definitely jokes in it that mm-hmm. you know black women wrote. So oh, yeah. I, there's there's one of my favorites was. They were in the CIA and they were trying to infiltrate this this place. And mm-hmm. they were like, the security is tighter than Jada Pinkett's mom's abs. Mm-hmm. Like, tight. Right. And I was like, that's but, great. And that let me great. tell you, I loved the concept of that sketch. Yes. Like being an undercover agent just because you've got a real regular face. I loved the concept of that sketch. Yes. But it needed to be completely rewritten and the timing was Absolutely. off. And there were really good moments, but yeah. it just never really hit. And it was just frustrating to watch because I'm like, oh, this could be brilliant. And when they bring her back, I'm just, ah. Uh, I totally uh. agree. <laughs> Everything is there for this to be brilliant. It's just it not. Is. Yeah, You're and it's totally frustrating. Right. There's like moments of genius that are just kind of peeking through. And I hopefully in the next, how long is this season? Ten I'm episodes sure, or yeah. something? Eight episodes? We're only up to episode three. We've got a few more at least coming I hope it hits. I hope it hits. You had uh, the the call center. The you know we call you Office Lauren Hill around here because she was late all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That you was know, actually a funny one too. Those are funny. I'm like, guys, you, these mm-hmm. these these funny little tidbits. I need you to deliver on the whole piece. Right. There was, but that's a timing issue. I think there were two two sketches that I liked. Mm-hmm. My favorite. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but the the church sketch with David Allen Greer. As a preacher. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. That was really funny to me. Uh, I would recommend you guys check that out for sure. And mm-hmm. I think if everything hit on that caliber, mm-hmm. the show would be great. Mm. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, essentially the, the, the preacher allows for people to have their own kind of testimonial or asking for prayer time. 
and the way that the congregation uses it is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. I also liked uh, the Hertep character. I like the idea, but I think this is where it's just a matter of taste because I just don't think that actress is funny. Um, mm-hmm. The first few sketches, I agree with you, mm-hmm. but when she did the wedding reception with uh, Tiamari there, mm-hmm. that was funnier to me. And I think maybe it was funnier mm-hmm. because she wasn't alone and that she was with right. other people reacting to her. Like right. the, mm-hmm. like the, the, the best man was kind of like, it was, he was like, he was like eating popcorn with, with the, with the right. groom. Okay. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was funny. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. <laughs> that was yeah. funny I think all the sketches we're talking about are on YouTube. So do check it yeah. out. I mean, yeah. How many Caucasian seconds must pass before it's time for me to speak the truth? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it reminded me of the, kind of Hotep character from Living Color, Damon Wayne's character, yes. Oswald Bates. Yeah, which is the other thing I was going to say. You can clearly see their influences. They're yes. wearing them on their sleeves in yes. every single, in almost every single sketch. Right. And, um, yeah, you kind of, you can't just, re- you know what it reminds me of? I just watched, don't ask me why, okay. I just finished watching Marlon Wayans' new movie, Sex Tuplets. Oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not watching that. It was no. very well-intentioned. Um, and there's a lot of there's a tremendous amount of artistry and hard work that went into it, and you can see that. But Eddie Murphy already did this in the Clumps before Eddie Murphy did it. Uh, what Richard Pryor played multiple characters in a movie before him. I mean, there's always been comedians who've played multiple characters in movies. The way to make that work is you take it one step farther, right? Or you do something that is your unique uh, spin on it. Mm. And it's the same thing with a Black Lady Sketch show. Is you can see their influences. You can see where they got that Hertep character. That's a really common Black comedy trope. Right. A Black comedy character. But she needed to take it to the next step and make it her own because li- there, there's a lot that you can do with the concept of a Lady Hotep. Right, because th- I mean they're out here. Pickneys and her taps are out here. In and force. a light skin yeah. hotep too. Exactly. There's so much you could have done with that, and yeah. she d- it doesn't go far enough. It's just it sounds it comes across as more of an homage than as a really unique and funny sketch. This is the theme of the show, it seems, right? With mm-hmm. uh, this show and Cannon Busters, yeah. you see the influences, but nothing to make them distinct enough to be interesting and to raise them to the pantheon of of where they of where they got their ideas right. from right that's true same as cannon busters i i sincerely want this to be good mm-hmm. it's like uh with ghostbusters uh 2016 wonder woman and captain marvel like i want shows created produced and led by minorities to succeed mm-hmm. but i also hope they can be allowed to be mediocre mm-hmm. or even fail without that seriously hurting the chances of better ideas to be realized by those same people or by other people belonging to that group and you know for a long time we've we've just been rooting for everybody black or if you're a woman just 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 get the bag or just right. do it but i hope that we can finally just kind of have honest dialogue about this is not working i think we've had that i think we do have that still i think the whole idea behind i'm rooting for everybody black or i'm rooting for anybody who's a woman is just that we deserve the right to be mediocre too sure uh unfortunately we are we are exercising that right <laughs> so, we just get so yeah. so few chances i don't want this to fail and right. then corporations get gun shy about allowing this True. to happen again that's what i'm most worried but about. i think that the tipping point has been reached i think that i don't th- i hope that what that seeing shows like canon busters like a black lady sketch show that have seeds of greatness but are mm. not necessarily excellent uh that are produced by more mainstream companies, I I think that that signifies something pretty good overall. Again, we have the right to be mediocre too. I mean, how many movies has uh, have what, what? Who's the worst Baldwin? Uh, the, yeah, whatever. He he's in like so many horrible B movies, and people still go see them. James. I don't know. He's the I one who's know. not Alec. The the the, the yeah or yeah I, I or, could tell yeah you. I don't know. Me neither. But the point is, that guy's out there. He's a working actor. He's rich as Croesus, and he is, you know, allowed to do that. Right. We we deserve the same right, and we we've had that, but largely only in black spaces. Right. Um, exactly. And now we're getting those in mainstream spaces too. And to be fair, I think it's a little unfair to call a black lady sketch show mediocre because there's more of it to come. And I could see it pulling out, like you know, like that that seventh inning stretch kind of turnaround. I could see that happening. I hope so. 
I hope it does. And it's, I want to win. It's a lot more well formed than Cannon Busters is. Yes. Um. At least the idea. I mean, I. At least I'm watching the show. Whereas with Cannon Busters, I'm like, oh, when is this over? Right. Um. How do you feel about that kind of end of the world kind mm-hmm. of like through line throughout the show? I thought that was actually really cleverly done. Yeah. Um. I'm curious to see where it goes. Yes. And again, as a black woman, it's nice to see things like. Jokes being made about head wraps. Okay, yes. that actually did tickle me, yeah. right? Because everybody has a friend who doesn't wear it. For a minute, I was that friend who doesn't wear a head wrap, and everybody treated me like I was crazy because I was. Uh, yeah, just breakage everywhere. What was I doing? Uh, but the point is, you know, it, there is, it, there's a lot of good representation in there. There's a lot of concepts and a lot of jokes and through lines being brought up in here that are very culturally specific, and I liked that a lot about it. It's got all the ingredients. They just got to stir it a little bit more, let it cook a little longer. Hopefully that happens in the the last half or two-thirds of the season. Totally. The end. Anyway. (laughs) No, I I totally agree with you. All right. Well, we are running a little long here. We are, yeah. I don't want the studio to kick us out. Yeah, the lights are flickering there. Right. About to come banging through there. They've got to go eat a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Why do I keep bringing that up, man? I, mean, I think I'm hungry. You know That's what? what let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's go, let's go, let's, exactly. go, grub. let's, go, let's, go, let's go grub. Let's go grub. Popeye's. Okay. <laughs> uh, this concludes this episode of Blurred Up. Please let us know how you feel about Mel returning. Yay, I'm back. How do you feel about Cannon Buster? Did you love it? Did you not like it? Was mm-hmm. it all right for you? How do you feel about Black Lady Sketch Show? What's your favorite sketch? Let us know in the comments of any platform that we're on. Again, we are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. Mm-hmm. We're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. We're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we are also now on Spotify. Please search us out, B-L-E-R-D-U-P. There should be no space there. Awesome. Don't forget, we're also on Blurred.com. Please go check them out for our content and much, much more. And if you are a black creative, please reach out to them and join us. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Mel, for being here. Thank you for having me, as always. Uh, look forward to our episode next week, which deals with how we feel about rap and the age of Trump mm. and coming crises. Interesting. Yeah. Am I going to be on that show? Absolutely. Woo-hoo. And we have a special guest, Jack Zilla. Oh, word. Okay, cool. He's a good guy. All right. Thank you all so much. Peace. Peace. <laughs>